Happy Tuesday, Fenway Rundown listeners, and welcome back to the show. I'm Chris Gatillo. Uh, yes, I'm in Massachusetts, just uh, along with many of you here, uh, freezing, seeing the snow, the sleet, the rain, uh, whatever's coming down. But just like the U.S. Postal Service, we are back with a new episode. Chris Smith and I will be heading back down to Fort Myers next week uh, to conclude spring training. We are only, believe it or not, with the snow and the rain we're seeing today, only a couple weeks away from opening day. So time to get excited about the new baseball season. I've seen the excitement on Twitter, a lot of questions coming in. And so we turn to you, the listener, you, the reader, you, the tweeter today um, for some mailbag questions. I like always opening it up, asking people uh, to ask for, you know, what they're, what's on their mind and seeing if we can, you know, answer it from the perspective of someone who covers the team. So happy to welcome on Matt Votor. He's going to be doing some of the hosting duties today, asking me your mailbag questions. We get to a lot of topics, give you a lot of answers. So appreciate Matt hopping on there. And uh, here we go. All right, as I said, on this Tuesday, we are going to be flipping the script a little bit. I am uh, usually the one in this chair asking the questions, and today I'm going to be the one answering them. Pleased to welcome our columnist, Matt Votor, back to the Fenway Rundown uh, for, um, I think last time we did the mailbag, Joey Alberti was the one asking the questions. Matt, today you are going to be the one that's going to be our conduit between the fine people of Twitter and uh, my answers here. So, um We'll let you take it away. We had a lot of good submissions, and uh, here we go. Filling the big shoes of Joey Alaberry. That's true, so. for sure. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go right with um, first question is about leading off, and that seems an appropriate appropriate for what we're doing here. This is from Anthony on the Cape Ant on the Cape on Twitter. If you'd like to follow him. It's a, the question is says is this guy has this guy has the uh, capability of being a sports writer because he says talk right. about who is the opening day pitcher and leadoff hitter. Yeah, it's very very Johnny Miller esque with the talk about to start off a press conference. So um, I think it's pretty clear at this point that the opening day starter is going to be Corey Kluber. He uh, Alex Cora ruled out Chris Sale earlier in the week, saying that they just wanted him to come to you know opening day, enjoy the day. And then be ready to pitch probably Saturday in that second game of the season at Fenway. Um, kind of takes away the fanfare, the pressure. I know Sports Radio mocked that a little bit today, but you know I actually don't think it's a bad decision. You know, it, you don't want him to be even more amped up than normal. I think you know opening day with the flyover and all that stuff. Um, maybe there is a little bit of a risk of overthrowing or trying to do too much and be under that spotlight. They want to do everything in their power to keep Chris Sale healthy, and I don't think it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So Corey Kluber will be on uh, uh barring an injury the guy that takes the ball on March 30th for the Red Sox against Baltimore Luber obviously uh it'll be his Red Sox debut pretty accomplished guy pitched in big spots before I think it makes sense for them to do that uh, in terms of a leadoff hitter I think that's a great question at this point in camp because we're not really sure you know exactly how the lineup is going to line up uh a few guys that are you know going to be key producers for the Red Sox whether it be Alex Verdugo Kike Hernandez, obviously Rafael Devers. They are away from the team as part of the WBC. They are not um, have not been in great fruit league play. We have not seen how Alex Cora has organized the lineup. But you know there are a few candidates. I don't think they're going to go with Yoshida in the leadoff spot, like they said they were going to early. I think you know more likely candidates. Alex Verdugo is a guy there that could do it. Kike Hernandez against lefties, kind of the outside the box guys. Tristan Casas an on-base guy, you know, he doesn't have the traditional frame of a leadoff guy. 
He gets on base at a high clip. He works good at bats. I could see them doing that. So I think it'll be a little bit of a mix and a match. You know, I would guess that, you know, Verdugo will get some chances. Kike, we might see Casas, Arroyo, maybe even Ref Snyder some days. Um, don't think it's going to be Yoshida a lot. I think Yoshida is going to probably hit fourth. I think you can pretty safely pencil in, you know, especially against righties, Devers second, Turner third, Yoshida fourth, and probably Duval fifth. Um, that that might lead to, you know, a guy like Alex Verdugo uh, getting a chance to lead off. So um, that's still, I think, one of the bigger storylines that has yet to be um, determined or finalized with a couple weeks left to go before opening day. You think Casas maybe uh, that could be, you're talking maybe June, July, August, that he might settle into a role then, but with the same idea of if you're not, if you're not starting Chris Sale because of the fanfare, Casas this early in his career, maybe you wait to, to put him in that spot? Yeah, definitely possible. You know, I think the Red Sox, you know, want to ease. Um, they've they've in the past wanted to ease guys in. You know, Tre- Trevor Story was a guy who could have let off last year, and they they didn't do that right off the bat because they wanted to ease him in and give him, you know, some time. So, um, you know, if Casas is hitting and if he's showing that great on base, and a guy like Verdugo or Kike or or one of those guys doesn't work out, you know, I think Casas could do it. We've seen Alex Gore play around with it in spring training. Um, you know, leadoff spot's been one that has kind of been a rotating cycle the last few years. And if they can find somebody to to really, you know, um, anchor the lineup at the top, I think they'll be happy with that. All right. The next question comes from the new Royal Rooters at New Royal Rooters on, on Twitter. Are you hearing anything about how the pitchers like working with Reese McGuire? Does Tech, Jason Veritek, say anything about his catching skills that's a good one um the red sox clearly think that reese mcguire is capable of being an everyday catcher um you know if you look at the pitching staff it's it's obviously you know there's some guys that reese mcguire got to learn you know last year down the stretch nick pavetta returns to the rotation he worked with bayo um whitlock Houck, some of those returning guys there's a lot of guys he's got to learn for the first time you know paxton and sale did not pitch last year um yeah, you know, McGuire was acquired after Sale was done for the year, and obviously Paxton was out. Um, Bluebird's new to the staff. Chris Martin, Kenley Jansen, all these guys. So you know there is a a lot of um, there's a lot of people that he's going to have to learn, and I think that that learning experience has been good so far. He does work very very closely with Jason Veritek. We've seen that time and time again. Um, you know, throughout spring training, they're they're kind of on a mat right outside the clubhouse working together. Veritek is a very hands-on role with the catchers. And, you know, the Red Sox are, are clearly valuing the defense, the catcher, you know, at more than the offense, just like teams throughout baseball. So I feel like they feel comfortable with it, you know, and anything McGuire can give them offensively is a bonus. You know, I think we saw last year he hit, I think, 337 down the stretch. That's not going to happen again. But if he can receive and, and call games and all that type of stuff, they're going to be happy with it. Um, you know, it's, it'll be a learning curve for any catcher, even if it was Christian Vasquez with, you know, so many new pitchers on the staff, a whole new bullpen. I didn't mention Blyer and Jolie Rodriguez and a lot of these rookies that are coming up too. So, um, you know, the fact that there's not that much familiarity, if it was Vasquez, it, it wouldn't have mattered that much on a changing pitching staff either. All right. Next question comes from Red Seat Radio at Red Seat Radio on, on Twitter. With just the sheer number of potential starters on this team, one with a healthy, with a fully healthy rotation. We'll pause there just for for the the potential humor of, of that. Right. Uh, who are the odd men out? And the and second question: If guys like Mata, Crawford, Walter, Murphy are doing well in AAA, 
where would they fit on this team? You know, I've been saying all along, and this comes straight from kind of the horse's mouth and, and Heim Bloom and other Red Sox decision makers have been saying they have felt for a long time like they are, you know, 11, 12 deep in terms of starters, right? You know, the big seven in the major leagues, if healthy, Sale, Paxton, Kluber, Bayo, Whitlock, Houck, and Pavetta. And then you have, I think, Cutter Crawford, probably the next guy up. Josh Winkowski was in the majors last year. Uh, so we're already at, what, nine? And then to, to fill out the dozen, Brian Mata, Brandon Walter, Chris Murphy, all guys we saw in spring training who are going to start the year in AAA. You know, they felt comfortable enough with those 12 to, you know, surprisingly cut a guy like Connor Siebold. I don't think anybody thought Connor Siebold was a world beater, but, you know, he's probably 13th on this depth chart. And, and last year he was, what, you know, seventh or eighth? Um, so, you know, to me, I feel like they do have a lot of depth to answer the question with a fully healthy rotation. You know, I was always guessing that Pavetta and Houck would end up in the bullpen on this show uh, about a month ago. Heimbloom said they don't want to move Bayo to the bullpen. They don't want to move Paxton to the bullpen and they don't want to move Whitlock to the bullpen under any circumstances. So you, you pencil those three guys in as starters, Chris Sale, Corey Kluber, they're locked into your rotation if healthy. To me, that kind of makes it seem like, you know, those are, um, you know, guys that that's your five and, and Pavetta and how, you know, Pavetta doesn't want to go to the bullpen. He's made that clear publicly and privately so far, but um yeah, I think he's going to get a chance to start because of the injuries. I think he's a guy that could factor in as a long guy um, or as a reliever, you know, later in the season. And Houck, you know, with the arsenal, we've seen him be really successful out of the bullpen previously. He makes a lot of sense there. Part two with some of those AAA guys, um, you know, obviously with all the injuries in the rotation that we've seen throughout the years and you know, even so far in camp with Bayo being a little delayed and Whitlock being a little delayed and Paxton's hamstring, you know, Crawford is going to get a chance probably to crack the team in the opening day rotation. He's had success in the majors before. And, you know, and Mata, Walter, and Murphy are going to be kind of your insurance policy behind everyone else. You know, if they're in it down the stretch, those guys could come up and be, you know, high leverage relievers. I think some people think Mata has the stuff to do it. So, um, you know, I think they're excited about, you know, like I said, the dozen guys they have. Uh, to me, um, you know, once once healthy, I wouldn't be surprised if Pavetta goes to the bullpen. You know, he's been shaky in spring training. We saw that again today. Um, I know it's so weird to say that about a guy who led the team in innings and starts and all that a year ago, but just the reality of where this team is and with all the health risks, you don't want to put Paxton in the bullpen. You don't want to put Sale or Kluber or Bayo um, or Whitlock. So um, that's what makes sense to me. You said no, you said you don't want to put Whitlock in the bullpen. He'd been so good there in, in stretches. What uh, is you think? You think he's his upside is higher as, as a starter or what he can contribute higher as a starter? I think the Red Sox are just at a point, and, and I said this uh, on another podcast a couple weeks ago, they're just so sick of seeing their best arms kind of wasted as relievers. You know, whether that, you know, I don't know if you even think that, you know, dates back to Daniel Bard or, or whatever. Um, you know, Matt Barnes is a guy that was a rotation candidate, top pick that, you know, he had a good career here and ended up, you know, second all-time all in appearances and all that type of stuff, but He's going to provide you fewer innings as a reliever than a starter. You know, in a perfect world, they want their best pitchers to be starters if they're capable of doing it. That includes Tanner Houck, that includes Whitlock, that includes Bayo, and eventually, you know, Mata. And, and Alex Cora has said, as an organization, we have to stop, you know, having these guys be relievers full time because, you know, so much more important to get the innings out of them. So that, I think they still, you know, ap appreciate that, and that's kind of the goal with Whitlock. Uh, they've looked at him as a starter. You know, for years, despite the success as a reliever the last couple of years, um, you know, his contract was done uh, with incentives that he will hit 
if he's in the starting rotation. So obviously he wants to be doing that. He wasn't actually bad out of the rotation last year. He wasn't, you know, yeah, I think Alex Cora put it well when he said he's human, you know, out of the, out of the bullpen. I don't think he, you know, he didn't give up runs for months, but um, out of the rotation, he was, you know, two or three runs in six innings. That's a pretty good start, but it just wasn't what we were used to from him. So the expectations are super high for a guy like Whitlock, but no, I, I don't think that they you know, want to experiment with him in the bullpen again. A similar question from, from Marky D on Twitter at the Marky D. Um, Core mentioned that the team will meet on Wednesday to discuss the structure of the pitching staff to start the season with Hauk and Crawford tentatively taking the last two spots in their rotation, six bullpen spots locked up. Which arms do you think start the season in the pen? You, you addressed that. Um, when you think about guys like Hauk, guys like Pavetta, you think that both the the combination of their arsenal of what of what they what they their stuff and their mentality you think you think that uh, the bullpen seem that their kind of makeup fits the fits in the bullpen? Yeah, I mean we saw that with Pavetta in the twenty twenty one ALDS, right? I mean you remember sitting in the press box at Fenway looking down at him dancing off the mound like a maniac and going nuts in those spots and he was excellent. You know, Hauk is a guy that couple bony in it was, it was, right. Um, without the, you know, probably without the cutting chickens heads off on, on, uh, on Twitter videos, but you know, that's a one of a kind guy right there. Um, I, I think that, you know, Pavetta fits mentality wise, the thing that I would be slightly concerned about with the Red Sox is he, he said already publicly in an interview with Tara Sullivan of the globe, he doesn't want to be in the bullpen. He's a starting pitcher, all that type of stuff. He's kind of bristled at the idea that he could move to the bullpen because he fancies himself as a starter. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I think he's an ultimate competitor at the end of the day. If they did move him there, he would just have to do it. And, you know, he's, what is he going to pitch badly on purpose? No. Um, I, I would worry about the buy-in to a role that he really has made clear that he doesn't want to do. Um, that's just a, you know, a minor thing, but a real thing because, you know, the quote I think to Tara was, I'm a starting pitcher. I don't know any other way. That's what I want to do. When guys are in that mindset, kind of hard to talk them out of it. Um, Ultimately, though, you know, the call comes down to Heimblum, Alex Cora. Kind of going back to Mark's question a little bit, um, you know, I think you, you kind of look at the bullpen and a roster projection we did last week. Obviously, there are, you know, kind of big names and veterans that are locked in, whether it be Jansen and Martin from the right side. John Schreiber's got a spot from the left side, Richard Blyer and Jolie Rodriguez. So that's your five. And, and I think we're assuming Ryan Brazier is in there as your sixth guy. Um, you know, if Crawford and Hauk are in the rotation to start the year, you know, like, you know, like we've said a billion times, Bayo, Whitlock, Paxton, they'll probably start on the IL and, and not be there for long. You know, expect all three of them probably to be back by the end of April. Um, you have two, you know, bullpen spots for, for some, you know, some of these interesting minor league guys to uh, make an appearance or make the team. Um, you know, I, I think we've seen a few of these guys get optioned already. Some of the starters. The three there that make a lot of sense, they have options. They're still on the roster. Caleb Ort, Zach Kelly, Wyatt Mills. Um, I think you'll see a lot of those guys in different roles as kind of rovers throughout the year coming back from AAA to the majors. Remember, a big part of the reason they cut Matt Barnes was because he didn't have options available. These guys do. I think we'll see two of, those, two of those three on the opening day roster. And, you know, if one of those guys is hot, like John Schreiber was last year, you know, they'll have a pretty big role by the end of it. Let's, I'm going to ask two questions together here because we have we have two questions about uh, mm -hmm. Grapefruit League phenom uh, Ramos Hapia. Uh, so Jorge Alfaro and Ramos Hapia get if they make the if they get 
if Jorge Alfaro, this is from Andrew Meehan at Mandrew He-Man on Twitter. Creative. If Jorge, if Jorge Alfaro and Raymond Tapia get make the team, we're going to say make the team, the Red Sox would need to, to trade DFA two players currently on the 40-man to make room. Who would be your guess as to who would that would be? And then the second question comes from G, who is at Bo Red Sox 412 on Twitter. His question is thoughts on Tapia making the team over Jaron Durant. Yeah, those are two good ones. Um, I think that, you know, those are kind of the roster battles at the back of the roster that, you know, every team wants their non-roster invitees to push and, um, you know, look for spots. I think these were the two, you know, highest upside minor league deal guys the Red Sox signed. Obviously, both played a ton in the majors last year, Alfaro in San Diego, Tapia in Toronto. He dominated at Fenway, you know, and they've both, you know, been really good, you know, Tapia before. I mean, Alfaro before he left for Columbia was excellent. Um, could have played in the World Baseball Classic. Tapia, has, as you said, been excellent. I think he hit another homer today. So um, the way the contracts of those guys work makes me think that both will make the team. As we reported a couple weeks ago, Alfaro has an upward mobility clause, which sounds very fancy. Basically, it comes down to this. If a team wants to put him on their active roster, the Red Sox have to grant that or match it, meaning they have to put him on the active roster, which he's not on right now. In the case of Rymel Tapia, he just has a clean opt-out. And so if the Red Sox don't place him on the active roster, he can just become a free agent. It's it's close, but not the same thing. Basically, if another team's interested in either player who wants to put them on the major league roster, which you'd expect you know, interest in both of these guys, um, then the Red Sox would risk letting them go. To me, that makes it seem like, you know, they have the edge. Um, and the Red Sox have roster flexibility to make that happen. They carry Alfaro over, say, Wong, who maybe starts in the IL or maybe starts in AAA. Then, um, you know, they get to keep Wong in AAA and Alfaro and see what they have in him early part of the year. If they did the opposite, they, you know, risk losing Alfaro. And the same thing, the same exact thing happens with Tapia. Um, versus Duran you know like Duran has options he can go down to the minors and kind of be um, you know your extra outfielder down there uh, if you keep Duran over Tapia then you risk losing Tapia to another team and, and I don't think they want to do that so you know thoughts on making Tapia or Tapia making the roster over Duran I think just based on that fact you know probably happens um, I think they like what they have out of him and um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him there and then the question from Andrew you know, they need to trade or DFA two players currently on the 40 man to make room. This has not been an easy, you know, thing for the Red Sox so far because, you know, we've seen them, you know, over the course of the offseason had to make some really difficult decisions. Matt Barnes, Connor Siebold, as we touched on, but, you know, Franklin Herman and some of these other guys, Hosmer, Darwinson, um, Jeter Downs, a lot of these guys that, you know, are, you know, notable names. So the fact that they, if they need to carry these two guys, have to get rid of two more of them, I think is, um, going to be a notable decision you know i think you know, watch some of those 60 day injured list um situations that's always a way to make a move um willier abreu is a prospect who got hurt alex cora said he'd be out for a while there's always weird when you you know 60 day il a guy who's never made his debut because it starts his service time clock i don't know if they want to do that um but i guess that's one way they could do it you know adalberto mondesi you put him on the 60, he's out until you know pretty much June 1st. I don't know if they think he's going to be back before then. That's a possibility. Um, and then you kind of get into the DFA candidate part of the team. And, and I thought we had another question about um, 
Dahlbeck's chances of making the roster. And, you know, to me, Dahlbeck's a DFA candidate here. You know, I'm surprised that he wasn't traded already, but uh, he's a guy that's not a clean fit for the roster. You know, Justin Turner is going to be the platoon partner for Tosses at first base. Um, I think, you know, Jorge Alfaro, if he's on the team, he's a righty who can play first base and DH for you and provide some pop. Yu Chang, you know, another guy who, you know, can cover some infield spots. And we just saw what he did in the World Baseball Classic. So to me, you know, Dahlbeck kind of makes sense there as a trade DFA candidate. And if you're looking at the pitching staff, you know, not a lot of spots, but, you know, a guy like Caleb Ort, you know, I think they probably want to keep Mills and Kelly over him. You know, if you have to pick a guy there, that could be the guy. Um, so, you know, some interesting decisions, you know, left to be made for the Red Sox. Um, they could, I guess, even trade, uh, you know, someone else off the 40 man to, to clear a spot. I think they want to keep everybody they can keep the depth because they know how important the depth is. But, you know, those decisions that I mentioned are due uh, about 10 days on March 25th. That last week at camp would be pretty interesting to see, you know, what they do. But Alfaro and Tapia, you know, certainly fit the team well, and they, they certainly have earned a spot. Yeah, it'd be interesting if 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 somebody else were to lose a uh, lose a corner, have an injury on another team to a corner guy, would would Dal- could Dahlbeck get traded in 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 that scenario? It's, it's yeah, and like, you know he was a guy that he drew interest this year. Um, you know he was a guy that I think Sean McAdam um, had reported at one point that he you know was a guy that was um, drawing interest from the Rays. You know, I think the Red Sox probably terrified that, <laughs> terrified of that outcome because he goes down there, he's automatically a, you know, a 350 hitter and 40 home runs and the Rays way and all that type of stuff. So, um, but nothing came to fruition and, and here we are, he's still on the roster and, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's not for long. All right, next question. We're winding down here from Zach BLM, Blackheart Red Sox, baseball UMass hockey NC Dinos eight dollars. You forgot a sword. Also, I think it's Dinos. Dinos. Okay. Yeah. Is that a? Is that a? What is that? I think it's a. It's a team in Korea, isn't it? Oh, okay. I saw yeah. NC. Anytime I'm with you on NC, I assume this is this is uh, some. I assume this is going to be some kind of North Carolina. Oh, no. Pat, no, that's uh, next. This is at Zoid Burgerer dot uh, on on Twitter at Zoid Burgerer. Burger. Burger. Anyway, and this is important. It's an important question. And I I know uh, I know people have been wondering this. If you had to go out for ice cream, now I'm going to stop right there. There's never a have to go out for ice cream with. Yeah, if I wanted to. With Chris Cattello, this is if if he had the opportunity to go out for ice cream with one player on the socks or in spring training, who would it be? Yeah, I mean, that's a, a tough I'm going to have some follow-ups to this, let's be clear. Yeah, I mean, on the current team, I don't know. I don't always like uh, revealing who, you know, I think the the uh, best guys on the current team are versus the guys that, you know, give the media trouble. Um, I think let's look, at it, let's look at it this way. Which guy do – let's talk about some guys that you think might have some insight on where, on where they might find some good ice cream. Uh, that's, I mean, you know – the Raphael Dever scoops thing has been going on for a long time. I think he's, he's the poster child for Red Sox and, and ice cream. You know, I just play a bit role in the background. So I think you got to go with the safe, the safe bet there. I will say, you know, I'll talk about some former guys that, you know, used to cover that I think would be, you know, good for an ice cream. Um, a, a guy that had just retired officially this week. And I want to pivot to you actually, and put the spotlight on you. Uh, friend, friend of the program, um, uh, 
though he's never come on. Mitch Moreland was a great guy. <laughs> I think he would be, uh, you know, great to share ice cream with. And this brings us back to my favorite moment <laughs> of all with Mitch Moreland. Matt Votor interviewing Mitch Moreland during the 2019 Stanley Cup final run. And uh, Matt, you can take it away from here on this one. Chris loves Chris loves this story. So yeah, it's my favorite. Uh, <laughs> so I was I was walking around. Uh, there's been over over time as some some background a, a nice uh, synergy between the Boston sports teams rooting for each other when one of them is is making a run. The Bruins were in the Stanley Cup finals, and so I think I was going. I think I stopped in to do clubhouse that day, um, and before going over to to the the garden for for something else, and so. I asked. I was asking guys that were in the clubhouse, of which there weren't a lot. Um, are you, uh, you know, are, are you following along with this? Are you, a, you know, are you a hockey guy at all? And and, and some of the guys, some of the guys, Chris Sale was, you know, Chris Sale likes hockey, and despite being from Florida, another not exactly a hockey state, uh, was saying how, uh, you know, that he doesn't know the Bruins guys terribly well, but was was paying attention and kind of rooting for him. And uh. And Mitch Moreland said something to me along the lines of, uh, "Down, he's from Mississippi, and and down there we just put ice in our sweet tea." Yeah, so. there you go. That's the only thing he knew about ice. So, and that's our little Mitch Moreland tribute on the day that there's some guys retire, and some guys Rob Bradford forces to retire, even though they haven't been playing for two or three years. So that was the case here. So, Chris, if you're go, so let's let's expand this a little bit. Where are you take if you have to take Raphael Devers or or Mitch Moreland out for ice cream? Where are you taking them? What 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 is your what is Just your go- come on in- up to the press box? No 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 no. We're not we, we know all about the, the, the soft serve machine. We're, the, we're we're wondering where is where is the go to spot outside of the press box? Because um, let's we're, face we're, it, no athlete is intentionally going up into the press box. We're we're partial to Yulman's and Westboro, aren't we? Nice, nice. That's, a, that's an that's an excellent call. And what and what are you ordering? Um, I'm a frap guy there. I'll just, I mean, that's just, if you can, uh, the way I get the soft serve at Fenway anyway, uh, it liquidates. So why not just kind of expedite the process? For people outside of Eastern Mass, a frap is a, uh, is a thicker milkshake. Yes. There you go. Nice get it. It's like the, uh, the, the Votor thesaurus. We appreciate it. <laughs> Alrighty. The final question that we have on the docket here comes from, um, Chris Masson at by Chris Mason on on Twitter. Mm-hmm. He wants to know what time does the North Carolina basketball team tip off on Friday? Blow it all up. That's all I ask, uh, Mason, for someone who went to Merrimack and does not watch college basketball, uh, has really taken um, taken a shine to hating on the Tar Heels over the last few years, which. It's particularly easy to do right now with a, a team that was number one in the nation to start the year and made history by not making the tournament and then declining the NIT. So I'm all in on declining the NIT, blow it up, figure it out, be back next year. It's a blue blood. It's a powerhouse. You know, we were already, we're already on to 2023, 2024. So is, do you think UNC is better than Merrimack? Merrimack won their, won no. their conf, conference no, no, I don't think, tournament. I don't think they, better they, than anyone right now. They, they could have been in. So no, just it's, you know, we're again, we're on to next season. So who is so who, who do you have in your fi- in your final four? It seems, seems I mean, I after looking at I haven't I haven't filled out the bracket yet. I would say after looking at uh, the way Zach Eady plays over the weekend in a few Purdue games that I may or may not have had sprinkled some action on. Um, that was uh, I mean 
I, I find them hard to beat. I know they always find a way to choke it away, but I'll t- I take Purdue as my champion right now. Purdue is your champion. And so, and do you have Duke in the final four or, or no? They're getting bounced by Oral Roberts in the first round. You can mark that down. That's a, that's a mortal lock. Nice. Mercer, I, Lehigh, Oral Roberts. Print the shirts. I was at that Mercer game. Yeah. Well, it was before I hated him, but I appreciate the effort <laughs> from Mercer anyway. Go Bears. Nice. All right, that's what we have for questions.